The reading is taken from Mark chapter 1 and can be found on page 1002 of the Church Bibles. So it's Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Didn't have to work you too hard this morning, Anna Lee, did we? With two verses. <laughs> and must note to self, next reading, there's lots of Old Testament names and things. So, Well, let's pray this morning. Father, thank you that we don't come here because we feel we've got it all sorted. We've got it all patched up. We know everything, we've experienced everything, we've got everything. While yes, we can testify to the many truths and the many experiences that speak of you, we also ask afresh that in our vulnerability, would you come and blow the wind of your spirit afresh through each one of our lives. And Lord, I'm in most need of that this morning too. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like you to imagine this morning that um, you'd started a new job somewhere. Uh, you'd start a new job in a new company and you decided to sit down. One of the first things someone said to you is to sit down and to read, spend some time with the company's mission statement. For example... Where do you think you'd be working if it said this? If you click on Rebecca one more, if that's possible. Our vision is to be a leading university in creativity, culture, and enterprise through inspirational teaching and research. We transform students' lives. Where, whereabouts? There's one or two helpful suggestions and one or two less helpful suggestions. Uh, Brian, do you want to say, know where this might be? You're not sure? Okay. Uh, our resident uh, employee of this particular organization, I don't think is here. Uh, it's uh, this. This is the place it is, if you want to click some. Bath Spa University. So not Bath It's all right, Brian, you're off the hook. It wasn't your own university. Okay, what about this? Uh, instead, if you click on. Its mission is to inspire a new generation of engineers. Oh, I'll put it there, the James Dyson Foundation. <laughs> I was going to say, Alex, would you have guessed that? Yeah, that was a bit obvious. Uh, one or two other employees of anybody else who might be here? Okay. So their mission is to inspire a new generation of engineers at the James Dyson uh, Federation Foundation. What about this? Our purpose is to make things better. Anybody willing to guess? Say again. Apple, that's interesting. Do you want to click us on one? 
This is how they summarize it. Better people, better food, better drink, better relationships, better world. Say again. Nope, that's a good guess, though. Okay, this is the mission statement or the purpose statement of Boston Tea Party in our parish. That's quite ambitious, isn't it? Eh? Better world by drinking a nice coffee in Boston Tea Party. You know, you can all contribute. Okay, what about, what about this? Next one, yep. These are four values, four values of a company. Respect, integrity, communication, and excellence. Anybody else want to have a guess? Yep. Bath rugby, that's a good, that's a good guess, but it's not. Yeah, got to go a little bit more global. Say again. Facebook, that's not bad. That's not bad guess at all, yeah. Okay, if you click it on. Enron, anybody heard of Enron? So Enron, these were the four values of Enron. Enron famously were a company whose mission statements was this, but they didn't follow their mission statement at all. In fact, it's quite hard to talk about respecting people, respecting your customers and your shareholders and your public when you screw away billions of pounds, you hide your debts, and you cause thousands of people to lose their livelihoods. Mm, bit more challenging, isn't it? Um, okay, here's a couple that I quite like. If you click it on one, if that's possible. Anybody heard of Ted? Short, pithy. Quite interesting. Ideas worth spreading. So people know who Ted, Ted, Ted talks. Okay, sorry, I might be not be doing very well here, so you know, hopefully there's enough nods to know what that is. Okay, here's another one. Hilton Hotels. Last weekend, we, we uh, met Joe's brother-in-law. We were at a wedding of Joe's niece, but uh, one of uh, Joe's, brother and Joe's brothers stayed in one of their hotels. And their, their mission statement for Hilton is this is to fill the earth with a light and warmth of hospitality. This is a hotel. <laughs> to fill the earth with a light and warmth of hospitality. Okay. Um, I'm just going to take a moment today. Not, we're not going to do too much in the way of teaching things, but I'm going to ask you to do a little bit of work uh, as well and ask you to do a bit of reflection. So I'm going to go back to this really foundational a couple of verses in Mark 1. We're doing a series on the kingdom of God. We've just started it, essentially, which is the big story of the Bible. And it's a story Jesus told over a hundred times in the gospel accounts. The kingdom of God is the central theme of the Bible, and it's also central to the life and ministry of the person of Jesus. It's what we read in Mark 1, verses 14 and 15. If you've got your Bible... If you've got it open, this is what it says. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Now, when Jesus said this right at the beginning of his ministry, he announced that the kingdom of God had come near that it was near, as near as your hand, the Jewish people who heard this in the first century, and I've said this before, didn't say, kingdom of God? What's that all about? They thought they knew what he meant. 
they knew what the phrase the kingdom of God meant. They thought that it meant that all the oppression and all the things they were suffering at the hands of the rulers and authorities was once and for all going to be overseen and overturned by the Messiah, the anointed king who was going to come and deliver them, save them from all the powers and authorities that oppressed them, all the evil that was coming against them. But finally, God was going to fulfill his promises to his people. God, the king, would reestablish his good and godly rule over his people. I think also, for me, in the last couple of months, and this passage particularly, I want to remind us again that the heart of Christianity is good news. It's good news. Christianity is good news. Jesus is good news. The gospel is good news. And right here at the beginning of Mark's gospel, we have Jesus proclaiming the good news of God. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus calling people to turn away from a life of self-destruction and a life of self-absorption, but to live with God, to live in relationship to God, live in partnership to God and his kingdom, to literally to turn our lives away from going our own way, to turn our life to be with God forever be part of his kingdom. A literal translation, many of you will know, but a literal translation of the word that's translated as good news um, is actually news that brings joy, euangelion. Now, the word had currency that was actually used in non-religious sections at the time the, uh, the the New Testament was written here. And the word was used um, when it meant that an event had happened that was history-shaping that was significant. So, for example, the word is used in a secular sense is when it, there was some amazing news of a new emperor who would be, was being enthroned, when they were announcing a birth, a new royal birth, or a coronation of a Roman emperor, or that a great battle had been decisively won in history. In the context, it was big news that changed people's lives in a dramatic and a significant way. And here's the essence in this of Christianity. And why Christianity is different from any other religion or for even those who would say they have no religion. It's this. Christianity in its essence is good news. Christianity is about good news. Other religions, other ways of doing things, it's all advice. Christianity is good news. Other religions say that basically what you've got to do is to be acceptable to God or to get the life that God wants you or whatever it is, whatever you believe in. You've got to do a whole series of things to get to God. Somehow you've got to earn your way to be acceptable to God. That's what other religions say. But Christianity, the good news of God's kingdom, is this. We're not capable of doing that. But Jesus decisively in history changed everything. That Jesus was born, died, rose again and ascended up to heaven so that we don't need to earn our way to God. He's done it for us. Through the birth, life, death and and resurrection of Jesus, he's paid the price for us to enable us 
to be with God. Now believe in him. Now turn and believe in him. Christianity is joyful news. Advice, ultimately, one of the things about advice, even though many people can give us lots of good advice, that essentially gives us hope, which is a good thing, but essentially pretty much all advice leads us ultimately to feel as though we fall short in some way. We could have always done better. We could always have actually done things a little bit better, couldn't we? The gospel, Jesus says, it's done for you. It's good news, and I've done it for you. Jesus, the anointed king, came into the world to restore the good and kind will of God, his kingdom on earth, to save us from a life of self-destruction and to save us from a life of self-absorption, a life of rebellion, bringing healing and restoration to his creation in this good but fallen world. It's what Jesus did in his life and his death. So the kingdom of God is near, Jesus says. Repent and believe the good news. So what's the kingdom of God all about? It's a phrase. Christians use it a lot. It's in the Bible a lot. We may have things in our mind that you might start wanting to think about what you think the kingdom of God looks like. Let me help you with a few thoughts, and then we're going to take some time to think about it. The kingdom of God is what our lives would be like, as well as indeed the whole world would be like, if God had his will done all the time, in all the places, over the whole of history, wherever it is. The kingdom of God is a state of the world. In other words, no wills are opposing to God. If the fall hadn't happened and creation was groaning at the weight of the fall of the world, if there was no sin, no, none of your sin, your personal sin, none of my personal sin, and also none of the sin of things people do to us, there was also no, no presence of evil of the devil too. It's what the world would look like if God's will was done all the time in all the places wherever he is. The kingdom of God is creation the whole of creation, completely and utterly under the dynamic, beautiful, good rule and reign of God. And the amazing thing here in Jesus announcing this right at the beginning of his ministry is he said, we get to taste that now. Jesus is announcing that we get to taste it now, to enjoy some of it now. The future of the kingdom by putting our faith and our trust in Jesus. A number of months ago, we agreed as a PCC that the kingdom of God was at the center of what we believe we're about. The kingdom of God is at the center of what we believe as Christians we're about, but also as a church, what we're about. So I'm going to ask you all to do a little bit of an exercise. Um, This is not a test. I really want to reassure some of you who always get slightly fearful when uh, someone does something. This is not a test of finding the right answer. But this is an opportunity for you to take a few minutes to quietly um, take, take hold of this. And it, well, on one side it says this. If God came here, if God came and he turned up in church and Jesus was sitting next to me and said, Jesus, just tell me, what's, what would be the mission statement for the kingdom of God? What's at the heart? What's the essence 
of the kingdom of God to you. I wonder whether you could just take a few minutes, and it, it, it will be a few minutes. There's a pen, there should be some pens near you. You may need to write it just to write, and it could be a group of words that you think is at the heart of what the mission statement of the kingdom of God is. It could be a few statements, it could be a sentence, but actually I'd like us just to take a moment to reflect on what we think is at the heart of the mission of the kingdom of God uh, before we move on to other things. So let's just take a few minutes to, to write, to use your thoughts. You don't need to share it with anybody, uh, but to help you think a little bit more about it. One of the extraordinary things, I'm just going to make, move on from that a little bit about God's kingdom and God himself, he chooses to partner with us in his mission in the world. We've talked about mission, as I think we wrestled with the idea of mission as a church for, for lots of reasons over lots of different seasons. But essentially the word mission comes from the Latin word missio, and missio means to send or to be sent. So in the Bible what we see is God is ascending God. Jesus sends, God sends Jesus into the world to save us. God and Jesus send the Holy Spirit into the world as his gift to us. And then the triune God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit joins with us in participating in God's mission to see his kingdom come in the world, redeeming, restoring, saving all things. As Colossians put it, bringing all things under Christ. What we tend to think is when we talk about the word mission is typically the activity of some people who go across to another land or to a foreign country. In our mind, we have something like this in our minds. If we could move us on one, Rebecca, um, in terms of slides. I have in mind this kind of thing where you've got your pith helmet on, you send somebody out to somewhere that's really challenging into a part of the world that uh, doesn't know Christ, and it's kind of that's in our head. If you're a Christian, but the, th the thing is this, is that God sends us all. If you're a Christian, you are a missionary. All of us are sent. All of us are chosen. All of us are called. The question is, who are we called to be? And what are we called to do? You know, I've, uh, in the past, I've been involved in some different missions overseas. I still remember sort of doing an overseas flood relief project when I was about 20. I went over to Argentina, uh, where there are massive floods on the northern part of um, Argentina. And we partnered with small, small churches um, in this particular delta area of Argentina to alleviate the poverty, to bring help in people who are in desperate need in some of the poorest areas where the government and the agencies that were part in Argentina weren't touching. And also work with the local church in sharing our faith, sharing Jesus with them. But actually, that just bit, that bit about going overseas is only a small subset of God's work by his spirit in the world. But he chooses to partner with us. So the way we live our lives, what we do with our lives matters to him. See, it's very easy for me to sit here as a pastor and say, you know, God has a wonderful plan for your life. Put your trust in him, get to heaven, job's a good one. But that's not entirely faithful, although the message of the gospel is in there. It's not entirely faithful to the whole gospel. 
Because God has a wonderful plan for his world, the whole of his world. And the goal of Christianity is to partner with Christ and bring healing and restoration to his world. Restoring the city, seeing families restored into relationship with him, seeing the brokenness restored to beauty, seeing God at work mending, healing, forgiving, redeeming his world. And we see that in every single dimension. The kingdom of God needs to include every single dimension. So that means it's medically, it's physically, it's financially, it's educationally, it's culturally, it's spiritually. God's work in the world is across every part of the world. Giving people a taste of what it it means or what it seems when God is in charge. God's kingdom in its fullest sense. And it's a beautiful thing this morning that in the majesty and the, the, the size and the scale of the kingdom of God, that God chooses to include you and me. God chooses to offer that invite to you and me to say, God, will, God invites to say, will you join me in what I've called you to? It's so much bigger than me and you, but at the end of the story in the Bible is new creation, new heaven and new earth. We are called, and I know many of you are involved in this, so this is not something new. We are called to to feed the hungry, partnering with people to to provide um, comfort, strength, and healing to those who have hunger, to volunteering, supporting, and mentoring, and pastoring people who find themselves in real difficulty in life, and say, we're going to get involved in the messiness of people's lives. It's not comfortable. But that's where we're called to. We're called as Christians. If we as Christians can't go into the dark places, then who can? And the church over the years has always been, over the centuries, has been prepared to go to those places. To provide for people, to support people, to get alongside people in all their different types of needs. Whether it's marriages or whatever else it is. People who have got involved in addiction and all those other type social things that actually cripple the life that we need. If, if if the kingdom of God includes the peace of God, which is shalom, which is a flourishing of all, it means that that's what we're called to. To bring restoration to relationship to people into relationship with God and to see them restored too. Mission for God, the kingdom of God, is holistic. It's the whole of God with the whole of us in the whole of the world. And we have good news to share with those people, with all of us, the whole of creation. That God's will would come, God's will will be done in Walcott, in your workplace, in your home, with your friends, when you're out walking, as it is in heaven. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, that's what we're praying, that it all matters to God, every bit of it. It isn't just a kind of sacred bit that we do for an hour on Sunday. Then everything else is just, well, we do what we do. God cares and it matters. And as we seek God with all our hearts, as we give ourselves to him, to seek him for here's what he wants for us here, can I encourage you to ask God this morning, to start, I'm going to finish just by asking a really personal question. The kingdom of God can seem so big, so all-encompassing, that it doesn't seem personal. But the group of us vicars in the Bath Deanery were uh, called this week, and the archdeacon basically said this to to us, you can choose all your stuff. You can tell me all how busy you are as vicars. 
You can tell how many problems you've got. You can tell me how many challenges there are. But at the end of the day, what is God saying to you? It gets personal. The kingdom of God starts with listening to the king and saying, what are you asking me to be? What are you asking me to do today? What are you asking me to be? What are you asking me to do today? Is there anything I need to hear that you're asking of me today? And that will be different for every single person here. But I'd like us to take two or three minutes just to think about that in quiet. And then if you find it helpful to write it down, write it down. If you just want to be still, just be still. But can I just finish with one little reflection? One of the things I really feel very, very strongly, a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, when I was, went up my mountain in Wales and I was praying for the church and praying for us and praying for you all, um, God brought me back again and again. There's this verse in 1 Thessalonians 5, which it calls us to encourage and build each other up. And the image I had in mind was uh, a person on a hill on a mountain offering their hand and asking each other to pull each other up rather than to drag each other down. And the reality is all of us have challenges that mean that it's difficult in life. But I really felt God was asking us and calling us to say, Lord, how can we build each other up? Who can we encourage and lift up? Because as well as God doing it directly, he also calls us to be his ministers. Have grace this morning. Let me just pray and then I'll have some quiet.